You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, this morning. I'd like to welcome back on the program the one and the only Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, good to see you. It's great to see you too, Noreen. Um, do I need to try and start thinking of topics that don't have to do with experiences I've had with my children? Will you give me that brief or I, is it all right? I think it's fine. I love all your <laughs> topics. They're always interesting. Are, are they sometimes related to your children or always really? I don't think it's always related. I think it's like we've talked about before. Sometimes my life feels a bit, little bit mum dimensional and that tends to I be where I'm getting phrase. my <laughs> getting my inspiration. But today it's actually a bit of a funny topic. So um, my baby girl loves playing with toy balls right like just it's quite sweet i know it's a developmental thing because babies are interested in how they continuously move if you roll them on the floor and stuff but we just have all these like tennis balls and little footballs and stuff she just adores them and i wanted to try and do some research on toy balls but when i was looking up some stuff the koosh ball came up do you remember what a koosh ball is no remind me okay you'll remember this because we were children like we were children in the 90s so um they're like very soft and squishy and they have the rubber filaments do you know what i'm talking about yes okay those are called koosh balls they're called koosh balls do you remember them now yes yes they're making a bit of a comeback to be honest are they because see i thought oh my goodness i had this like visceral memory of them but i couldn't think of where i'd seen any in person recently yeah um, you, you get them, but I think they're like quite quite the sm- plasticky type. They've got lights inside of them. Sometimes they yeah. can, yeah. But you know, they're the ones. They're like um, they're they're kind of furry and they're soft. They've got these kind of loads and loads and thousands of rubber filaments, yes. and they're very. Um, they're named Koosh after the sound it makes when you catch them, even though they don't make a sound. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a kind of Koosh sound when you <laughs> when you catch it, right? A Koosh ball. A kush, a kush ball. Anyway, so actually, they're super interesting. So I thought we could talk about them today. Please, yeah. I'm in intrigued yeah so um what's so of course children in the late 1980s and the 90s loved kush balls and i think this is why i have like a very visceral memory i can even remember what they smell like that kind of rubbery smell and i remember like picking at the the rubber filaments as you hold them do you know what i mean i'm gonna have to google that have a look have a look what do you think? So they have this, I don't know, they're very visceral. Yes. I have a really visceral memory of them. Like yeah. I can tell you what they smell like, that kind of rubber smell. That rubbery yeah. smell. Um, they were very easy to catch, easy to throw, and they didn't hurt if you got hit by one. Um, so there's a couple of things we're going to talk about with them today because actually they're super interesting. And maybe you're right, maybe they are making a comeback. Um, I was having a look, I was like, oh, maybe this could be a Christmas gift for my children. I could get them a kush ball. Kush balls were invented because the inventor's children couldn't play catch. So in 1986, there was an engineer called Scott Stillinger who was having trouble teaching his two young kids how to play catch. Balls were too bouncy, beanbags were too heavy. And so he lived in California and he realised he needed he realised he needed a better ball, one that was soft, that wouldn't bounce and could be grasped easily. And intuitively, he says that a rubber filament ball would do the trick. So he went about trying to work out how to make one. Um, And he started with a box of rubber bands and then he refined the design of his energy absorbent ball and eventually settling on this kind of natural rubber latex in kind of non-toxic colours. But this is interesting, actually, because of the energy absorbent part, I think we'll come back to later because it's there's a physics property. I was going to say it sounds very scientific. Yeah, it is. There's a physics property. Now, he was really confident about this invention so he quit his job to make them in late 1986 he showed a prototype of the koosh ball to his brother-in-law someone called mark button i'm like this is such a toy name um, who worked in marketing at mattel 
course, we know Mattel for being famous and making Barbie. And <clears throat> then together, the two brothers, the two, the brother and his brother-in-law and their wives were confident enough to quit their jobs and they started a toy company called Odds On Products. And he said that their early prototypes of the Koosh Ball were pretty crude. But when they look back on what they were compared to what a Koosh Ball is today, it's like amazing that this happened. And they showed this Koosh Ball prototype to a, a shop owner who said, you're going to be millionaires, like, which is quite pretty good feedback, really. Um, and so he built the machine that would make these particular balls and it operated out of a barn near his house. <laughs> so like he was an engineer. Like, I just think it's quite a, it's quite a lovely story. Like, I hope someone makes a movie about this. Now, he filed a patent for the Koosh Ball in 1987 which was granted in 1988, and it outlined the issues with regular balls. So this is what it said in the patent, right? One of the problems with many conventional throwing catching devices is that, on impact, they do not absorb much energy and, accordingly, tend to bounce and get away from one's grasp easily. Also, they sometimes hurt to catch. Another problem is that, typically, they do not offer a surface configuration that promotes quick, sure gripping. Which, okay, as a copywriter, I was going to say, it's like delightful description. Like, it's perfect. You can really hear. You can really yeah. hear why it would be important. Like, that's exactly that. And so this amusement device that they made with the large plurality of floppy elastomeric filaments, um, you know, radiating <laughs> in a bushy manner from a central core region. Like, it's, you can talk about a ball with some real academia, can't you? Um, but it would uh, avoid all these disadvantages of regular balls. Um, so this was really interesting. And it says the filaments are sufficiently floppy to collapse on impact, thus to absorb enough energy to avoid any tendency to bounce. So that's why it wouldn't bounce. That's actually how the principle works. And they're also sufficiently dense and floppy that they tend to quickly thread their way between the fingers of a user on contact with the hand and these features promote sure and quick capture of the device during the act of catching so good um what do you call it gross motor skills yes yeah oh, no uh, and fine, fine motor, motor, skills. Fine motor yeah. skills yes now there were also uh, apparently more than 200 potential name options for koosh balls um and through a process of surveys and logic they decided on koosh um which was was meant to be that you know it's the sound when it's made Kush. i don't know it feels <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it's a little bit onomatopoeic um now the standard Kush ball is made of 2000 rubber filaments so placed end to end um the filaments on each just three inch diameter ball would stretch more than 300 feet so it's wow. like a huge surface area in a weird way. And the filaments um, have a nickname. So they're not just the little rub, they're actually, they're called feelers. Oh, feelers. <laughs> yeah, they are. Sorry, they're the feelers, the feelers. Um, but what's funny is the media originally made fun of koosh balls and the industry didn't get it at all. But uh, customers absolutely loved it. So the media like made fun of this. Um, a Sports Illustrated writer compared the koosh ball to a Star Trek Tribble. So in the original Star Trek series, there was like these little furry creatures called Tribbles. And another reporter likened it to a psychedelic sea urchin, which I actually think sounds like great, uh, great actually, marketing yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They were also called um, the pet rock of the 1980s. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, and actually apparently one retailer even thought that the filaments were defects and began cutting them off. So there was a lot of confusion around what this product was but it didn't matter because the the balls hit the shelves and the customers loved impact. it yeah yeah in 1987 <laughs> hit the shelves with little impact <laughs> um and they were they were you know people describe them as a cross between a porcupine and a bowl of jello and it was a christmas bestseller that year um and the next year it was in 14,000 toy stories and available in 20 countries around the world i mean can you imagine inventing something that seems so simple and 
premise, but actually it took a lot of, you know, a lot of thinking to go into it. So I just thought this was absolutely amazing. Um, now, the Cush Ball had its own book. There was, uh, in published in 1989, the official Cush book featured 33 cushy activities. Um, so different things you could do with your Cush Ball. Like a yo-yo. You could use it. Yeah, you could have it as yo-yo. They even had, like, game ideas. Like, you could do hopscoosh instead of hopscotch with it. <laughs> hopscoosh. Um, there was a short-lived comic book series about Cush Balls that were alive, and they gave them personalities. Um, but there was a lot of secrecy surrounding Cush Balls, including where they were made. So nobody really knew where they were made because they didn't want to give away the secrets of how they were manufactured on that scale the way that they were. Um, and even, uh, they, they, yeah, so they find this really fascinating. Now, <clears throat> Stillinger and Button stole their, sold their Cush Ball company in 1994 um, and they had sold at that time 50 million Cush Balls and were making an estimated $30 million a year. That's a lot of money <clears throat> now, lot of money. but back in the day, back that's in like the day, 30 odd been, years ago. Yeah, in 1994, that is a huge amount of money, right? Wow. So um, <clears throat> apparently, though, there was a woman who uh, sued after getting hit in the face with a koosh ball on Rosie O'Donnell's talk show. So in 2001, um, a 69-year-old called Lucille de Bellis was sitting in a studio audience when, according to details of a lawsuit, she was suddenly and without warning struck in the face with a hard object, which was a koosh ball, which Apparently, um, one of her staff had shot out into the audience with a koosh throwing device. So this went against what we believed the koosh ball to be, which was that it wouldn't hurt. But of course, I think you fire anything at a distance, at a, at distance, a speed, at a speed, it's yeah. going to hurt somebody, right? But yes, that's the koosh ball. Wow, I yeah. love it. it I'm, I'm going to look out for some for for Christmas stocking filler. I think so too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm you know, lawsuit aside. Yes, I think it's quite a, a good. I wonder why we don't use them as much anymore. Maybe they just went it, out of vogue. Exactly. I think they'd make really cute little keychains as well. They did. It was one of the many yeah. products they have in their portfolio. Correct. Yes. <laughs> oh, Cruzy. Well, thank you so much for choosing such an interesting topic, and I love the way you said kush kush ball kush ball kush. Yeah. Until next week. Thank you very much indeed. Bye, Bye for now.